Blog Talk Radio. I'm Hakun Wong, your host and editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, is Ryan Whitfield, senior staff writer for Football Garbage Time. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, Hakun. How are you doing? All right. So, training camp has started on with 18 teams so far as of today, including your Patriots. And it looks like Gronkowski is healthy. Are you psyched? Are you psyched about the fact that training camp is on its way in your hometown? Uh, of course I'm pumped. Um, you know, Gronkowski getting healthy uh, is not something that really gets me excited because uh, when does he ever stay healthy? So, um, <laughs> right. you know, it's really twice in a professional career and really uh, three times later since his uh, senior year of high school. So, keep, my, keep our fingers crossed, but uh, hopefully things good enough around us. Uh, without him, with his money all again. Yeah, well, who needs uh, Gronkowski anyway? You guys win championships without him, right? So you don't need him. Uh, you can basically, <laughs> you just basically look chop liver out there, and you can find a way to win. All right, let's get rolling because today we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Lucky Whitehead and that mess of a situation, and we're also going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks of NFC West, and preview them for you in 2017. So let's get started. Right, so I want to start with the entire uh, situation here with Lucky Whitehead. So for those of you who don't know who Lucky Whitehead is, he's actually coming in on his third season with the Dallas Cowboys uh, as of recently. And on July 24th, there was a uh, report by TMZ that he was uh, brought up on charges of petty larceny for shoplifting in Virginia and had missed his court date. And uh, therefore, there was a warrant out for his arrest. Now, when asked about this during uh, on the field, uh, when the training camp opened, Lucky Whitehead responded, I have no idea what you're talking about. But uh, it doesn't take more than a day before the Cowboys decided to let him go. And what did Jason Garrett say and what did Jerry Jones say? They said that they will not stand for this type of off the field issue, which is interesting if you've been following us here on Football Garbage Time because we saw how they handled Ezekiel Elliott and friends. So at any rate, new development. Turns out it wasn't Lucky Whitehead. Turns out the police department made a mistake. Someone had actually pretended to be Lucky Whitehead and uh, had his personal information. And it turns out that he was never there. Doesn't matter because I got back to him. And uh, Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones just said, well, actually, he's just no good. And we're going to let him go anyway. And he's been, uh, he's been claimed, though, as of today, by the New York Jets. So tell me, uh, Ryan, I know we've talked a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys and how they treat these off-field issues or not treat them, as you may. What do you think about how the Lucky Whitehead situation was handled, and what do you think about this situation entirely? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, multiple different angles to the story, right? Like, what, what a crazy story. You know, as you said, the guy who was arrested – recited off that didn't have identification but gave his personal information um which included a social security number right so that's right. kind of an overlooked point of the story so far um you know i'm wondering how how somebody 
uh, who was out there shoplifting had had Lucky Whitehead's uh, you know uh, uh, social security number. So that, that's a weird angle to it. Um, you know, not enough bad things can happen to the Cowboys, as I've said on the show before, uh, <laughs> given given the kind of guys they employ. But what it comes down to um, is that he's not very good. You know, so I, I've I've seen a couple articles saying you know. What I, almost the angle I think people might expect me to take, which is, oh, you let all these other guys uh, have off-the-field issues, but you won't let Lucky Whitehead, even though he actually didn't end up having the issue. Um, but, yeah, when you're when you're a bubble player, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, as far as we know right now, and some, unless there's some kind of scheme he's involved in that, that would have somebody else have his Social Security number, um, you know, so that, I feel like that's still another shoe that could drop. But, um, <laughs> right. you know, unless he's involved in something like that, yeah, it's just bad luck. But unfortunately, when you're not very good and you have bad luck, that can happen. So um, as far as the Cowboys handling of it, I just think this is karma for them because it's just another bad incident that they're involved in, um, which makes me uh, very, very happy. So, um, <laughs> you know, that part of it, but at the end of the day, the fact they were willing to let him go even after the report came out that, you know, that this was, you know, mistaken identity shows that, uh, you know, he probably was a bubble player at best uh, as, as they were moving into the season anyways. So. Um, really, you know, he can be mad at the Cowboys all he wants, but at the end of the day, if, if he was Des Bryant or, you know, Ezekiel Elliott or Dak Prescott um, or even a Greg Hardy who, you know, is obviously talented um, despite who, the kind of monster he is off the field, that you can get away with stuff uh, when your talent's worth it. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's such a weird story because I said you can get away with stuff. It's not like he actually did something here. But um, he probably wasn't making that a camp anyways is what this tells me. Yeah, so there, there's two sides of that. I mean, number one, I think that, first of all, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you know, they basically use this situation uh, as an opportunity to deflect all the bad press they got from the off-the-field issues they had with their other players, including Ezekiel Elliott. And I think that's, that's kind of wrong because <laughs> that's not the reason, right? So if, if he's a fringe player and, he should, and, and you're going to cut him anyway – then cut him and tell him that you know tell everybody listen hey he's not a good player we don't want him on the roster that's honesty and instead they tried to spin this and get some sort of like uh, positive PR from saying like oh no we don't put up with this stuff and then when they find out it's fake you know after doing zero research on it they uh, they say oh, I'm sorry we moved on okay well I think this looks bad on the Cowboys I, I don't you know I'm not talking about Lucky Wayhead whether he's good or bad player or what have you. You know, I, I don't know if he deserved a, a roster spot or not, but this is, I think, a very bad look for the Cowboys. Um, I didn't think there was another reason why I needed to dislike the Cowboys, but this one this one really put it over the top for me because I think there was such poor handling and poor communication. I don't know whose idea it was to spin it this way, but whoever it was, I hope they lose their job because, you know, <laughs> what a, do some research before you do it. You know, just do a little bit of research. So let me ask you one quick question before we move on from Lucky Whitehead. He's been claimed by the Jets. Now, we all agree the Jets are going to be terrible next year. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that actually Lucky Whitehead might be better off with the Jets? Like you said, he was a fringe player at best with the Cowboys. They obviously didn't like him. You know, with the Jets, they got nothing. I mean, there's a chance here that he may make the team and may actually have some impact. May make the team. He may be the best receiver in their depth chart now. <laughs> um, so, the wor- the worst receiver in Dallas is you know probably the best receiver in in New York now so um, you know I think he'll be I think he'll be um, you know a decent receiver this year it's, it's that it's that theory that you always get you know the guy who scores thirty points in basketball on a bad team or the thirty goal uh, the thirty goal scorer on a bad hockey team 
Um, you know, it's easy to do that when you can freelance and there's no pressure and it's just it's all you. So, um, you know, falling off our theme last night, he might be a, a nice late-round sleeper now um, yeah. to pick up for a guy that might catch 50 balls and in, in six or seven touchdowns because, um, you know, got, whoever the heck's going to end up throwing the ball uh, on a week-to-week basis in New York, I mean, he might be the guy they look to most there, you know, outside of uh, uh, Nunez, so. Yeah, right, right. I think outside of Nunez, there really isn't anybody. They got Robbie Anderson or Darius Stewart. I mean, this is a whole list of no ones. Uh, so, quite frankly, you're right. And not only that, but those uh, those leagues that have kick return yards or punt return yards, return yards of any kind, he's not a bad punt returner and a kick returner. You know, I mean, like, if you look at what he's done over in Dallas, he was uh, he was returning the ball. I mean, he, he had amassed uh, close to 600 return yards both seasons. So, it's not like he was bad um, returning the ball. So, if you get return yards, it might be something worth looking into because he kind of bumped his value a little bit there. But anyway, talk about a flyer. Bad, bad move on the, on the part of the on the Cowboys, but hey, what do you expect? Let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one and move on to the next topic. All right, so let's talk about the primary piece of information that we want to break down for everybody, and that is the NFC West. As if you have been following us, you know we've been breaking down each of the divisions each week, and today we're going to talk about the wonderful teams at NFC West, including the Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and the Seahawks. So let's get started with the Arizona Cardinals. So the Cardinals last year really disappointed 7-8-1, didn't even get the 50%, but they were still second place in the NFC West. So there's certainly uh, not a lot of competition floating out there for, the, uh, for those guys in the NFC West outside of perhaps the Seahawks. And they made, went around and they did very minimal things to their offense and their defense. They really just kind of tweaked everything, and they're kind of sticking by Carson Palmer for another day, seeing as how the only other guy they really went on and got was Blaine Gabbert, and we all know that Blaine Gabbert is not the answer long-term. So tell me, what do you think about the Arizona Cardinals next year in 2017? What are their chances? What is their outlook for uh, the NFC West? Yeah, I'm really low on the Cardinals. Um, I was never a big believer in the Cardinals, Um I just always thought there was something deep or soft about that team, um, something missing. And, and, you know, Bruce Arians is a cool story. When he took over um, during Pagano's absence in India a couple years ago, and he was kind of tagged as the next hit guy when he went to, when he went to Arizona. But um, I think the league figured out quickly that Arizona has, has two simple philosophies. Chuck the ball deep and blitz on every play. And those aren't sustainable ways to win. There's a reason why people don't play that aggressive all the time. Um, it can make for some exciting football, and for a year there, it was really exciting to watch. But then um, the team that went to absolutely, you know, basically, I know the score was close in Super Bowl 50, but the Broncos manhandled uh, that Carolina Panthers team, and that Carolina Panthers team manhandled the Cardinals the week before, so, or two weeks right. before. Um, so they were, even at their best, they weren't great. Um, and with that said, I mean, there was an interesting article, and I forget, or no, actually it was an interview. Um, you know, uh, Arians is kind of coming off as a loose cannon to me now. Did some weird story in there. I don't know if you caught this, but um, I think it was on the network. And he was talking about he was lactose. He's lactose intolerant. So he couldn't drink milk as a kid, and his his uh, his brother would drink milk, and so he would get jealous, and he would uh, and so he started he would grab like uh, paint containers and start okay. drinking white milk. I mean white what? paint because he thought it was That's... milk, and it's just so he's just so off the rails kind of weird guy. Um, wow. But also in that interview, more importantly. He actually said in the season, I think they went, uh, I believe they were 8-8 eight eight last year, 
or you know middle of the pack, and they 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 actually could have made the playoffs. They were close and uh, a couple games back. And he said that they thought that Kansas Zero's missed kick in Week One against the Patriots is what derailed their season. Talk about a mentally weak team. You couldn't get over a missed field goal in Week One. That derailed your entire season, Bruce. That's that's a bad sign uh, of the mental makeup of that team coach on down. So, um, you know, you lose Clive Campbell. I think Taylor Jones is one of the most overrated players um, in the NFL. I've always said it. Um, he's uh-huh. invisible every time he gets to the playoffs for the Patriots, and the Patriots lost him last year. And I think the pass rush is better in the playoffs. He was good. Trey Flowers gave the Patriots more in the Super Bowl than Taylor's ever given him in the playoff game. Um, so you're kind of building the defense around him. Um, they had a couple other losses on the defensive side. Um, Larry Fitzgerald, another year older. Carson Palmer is inconsistent and, and old. And um, and I just think they're obviously mentally weak team. And, you know, they, they reference that game, but they don't reference the game where Hauska uh, uh, and Kenton Zero were sinking uh, field goals all over the place in that. That wonderful fifth-fifth tie in overtime. One of my favorite games from last year. <laughs> right. um, so I think Arizona's destined for another mediocre, uh, mediocre season. Um, a season of mediocrity uh, at, at eight and eight, seven and nine, somewhere in that range. And I think they'll finish. Uh, they'll finish in, uh, second in this division. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's some potential on the Cardinals, but they didn't do enough to really shore it up. I mean, obviously David Johnson is a real talent at running back. You know, and, and we can't take away from Larry Fitzgerald. He's not Larry Fitzgerald anymore, but he, he's certainly a Hall of Famer uh, in my eyes. And um, But, you know, on the defense, it's a very dynamic defense. You know, I mean, you got uh, Dean Buchanan, you got Tyron Matthew, and they added some new rookies in uh, Buda Baker and Hassan Reddick. So, I mean, it's going to be a very uh, exciting, you know, high-intensity type of team, but they didn't do enough to really put them over the top. And as you said, uh, Ryan, if uh, – you can't do that. Or you can't be uh, take a lot of chances and just blitz every time and hope to be consistently good. I think you're kind of setting yourself up for, uh, you know, just a bad game here and there, and then you get burnt blitzing all the time, and you get burnt uh, taking chances into double coverage all the time, and you, you're just not going to be consistent. So I agree. I think they're at best going to be a 50-50 team this year. Um, it's a too bad because they're really wasting all that talent behind David Johnson. I, I really would like to see him get onto a contender for real. All right. Let's turn on to the next team, and this is <laughs> one of my favorite last year because there was so much meant to, to happen here, and it ended up being a complete and absolute bust in large part due to their uh, their then coach. But Los Angeles Rams ended up fourth and four and twelve last year, third in the NFC West. Uh, they did make a lot of moves where they added some some significant uh, protection on the offensive line with uh, center John Sullivan and offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth. And he added a couple additional weapons in the form of Robert Woods, if you want to call him that. And they did draft Gerald Everett, the move tight end, and Cooper Cup, uh, the wide receiver. So they'd have a couple pieces there that may improve everything. And they lost their leading receiver, Kenny Britt, who obviously was not going anywhere. And, of course, the big question is Jared Goff and his rookie year, which is a complete disaster. What can they do to turn it around with new head coach Sean McVay? What are your thoughts about the Los Angeles Rams, Ryan? Dumpster fire. Um, you know, <laughs> wow. Sean is uh, Sean is is young. Um, I know I know he's been a bit of a you know he, he's had a meteoric rise and he's, he's been good in the roles he's been in, but I don't think he's ready for this moment yet. Um, I, I'm not a Jared Goff believer. Uh, Todd Gurley is was exposed or shown last year. You know, as much as we we talked about him a lot. 
um, last year, and I, I, right. I know that when you can stack eight men in the box, you can really really shut down a guy, but um, or shut him down more than you know what he did in his rookie season. However, um, you know there's a lot of from a fantasy perspective. A lot of times you target bad offenses with a good running back because you know at least he'll get your points because he'll be the main person. Um, how many years did we see that in Minnesota with Adrian Peterson? Didn't matter how many guys stack in the box, he was still going to get his yards right. Um, yep. So, you know, Gurley has a lot to prove this year. Robert Woods for Kenny Britt's kind of an even swap to me. Um, that defense is, is good. Um, it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see a full season if they if they regress because part of what makes them good is they're a dirty team. Um, but that's a that's a Jeff Fisher thing. Uh, Jeff Fisher's always been a dirty coach. Um, so maybe if that <laughs> that philosophy and mindset uh, mindset kind of goes out the door with him as much as he sucked. Um, maybe the defense takes even a, you know a half step back, which they they can't afford to step back anywhere, right? So, um, you know, I think I think they're destined for another really really uh, abysmal year, and I think the best play for the Rams, um, as as surprising this may sound, or maybe not surprising, but uh, you know, I know they just drafted a guy, uh, you know, two years ago in golf, but it's a it's a really deep. There's supposed to be four legit quarterbacks coming out. Uh, of this year's college class, and um, hopefully they can, for their sake, be in the top top six and win maybe two or three games this year and get rid of golf and call that experimental wash and start over. Well, I'm, inter- I'm interested to see what McVay can do for, for golf. I mean, obviously he, he made Kirk Cousins relevant, and we all agree that Kirk Cousins isn't the best quarterback out there. If golf can be a game manager, and I think here's the, here's the trick, you know, golf, kind of went up in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in college, he was a West coast offense guy, spread offense guy, you know, obviously uh, shotgun. He loved taking the ball from shotgun. That doesn't work for Todd Gurley. I think that was pretty clear that when they did try to run a West coast offense, first of all, their offensive line didn't hold up. Secondly, uh, golf was not accurate. And third, Gurley doesn't like taking the ball back there. He likes being, I uh, like taking the ball under, uh, from a guy under center. I mean, that's what he did in college and that's how he, he excelled. And that's how he did, did well two years ago. And, that was a major issue this year. Now they're going to have to find a way to make that work. And if McVay can find a way to make Goff a game manager under center and uh, with the additional protection that he got on an offensive line and that at least one of those rookies they drafted, you know, Cooper Cup or Josh Reynolds or maybe their move tight end, Gerald Everett, if they, one of those guys steps up and becomes a legit uh, pass-catching threat of some kind, because I agree, Robert Woods is kind of, you know, he's there, he's fine, fine professional player, but not a guy who's going to make it over the top. Then, you know, maybe, maybe they go, you know, and win seven games or eight games. But I don't think they're going to be, uh, they're going to have a winning record this year. I think the best case scenario is an is a, uh, eight and eight season, and that may not even in the, be in the best interest, as you say, of the Rams franchise as a whole. And I would say on that with, with, uh, with Gurley, um, that it's the NFL. If you can't figure out how to run out of the shotgun, then then enjoy being out of the league in three in the next three seasons. So, um, <laughs> that that's great. I mean, if, if your offense needs to take a step backwards into 1995, um, so you can run the ball, then then you're a problem and not an asset. So um, I think it's more on. I think it's that, that'd be a detriment to their team. Put him in the shotgun. Keep keep running it and tell him to figure the the bleep out or, or get out of the league. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what they do because, I mean, if nothing else, if the Rams are going to blow this up, they probably want to try and get some sort of trade value out of Gurley. I could see them just, uh, you know, putting putting Goff under center and let him get, get destroyed and bring up their trade value for Todd Gurley, get a high draft pick, trade him away, and, uh, you know, start over. And Because right now they don't have any trade – they don't have any draft assets. They traded 
basically the house, the entire bank away in order to get uh, Jared Goff. So they're in a bad place as far as rebuilding. Sean McVay has his work, uh, has his work cut out for him. All right, let's get to the next team. That's the San Francisco 49ers, another horrific team from the NFC West. Only two and 14 last year. Wow, what a terrible season for them. And what did they do in the offseason? Well, they blew everything up, and they got new head coach Kyle Shanahan. They got new GM John Lynch. And then I handed it to them. They pulled a fast one on the Bears, getting a bunch of draft picks and moving back one spot. Unbelievable. And still getting their guy. Um, but, you know, hey, the, 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 the issue here is what do they do for now, right now? And not a whole lot. I mean, they didn't have a quarterback when they opened up uh, when they opened up preseason. They, uh, based, I mean, the offseason. And basically they ended up with Brian Hoyer. You got Pierre Garçon now and Marquise Goodwin and Aldrich Robinson. And then uh, they managed to draft. Uh, a couple pieces for their defense in order to improve that, as well as Trent Taylor, at wide receiver, and C.J. Bethard in the third round as a quarterback. What are your thoughts about the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Lynch showed us uh, on his, in his first draft that he, uh, you know, for those of us who had questions, and I was definitely one of them, about whether or not he could be a, a, a legit GM in this league, um, police in your bears there. What he got in return for that it was oh, great. Sure, and I, think some great, I think he's got some great building blocks, and um, you know I'm excited about about this team. Not for this year, but going forward. So I think they win maybe five or six games this year. I think they will be the third best team out of the West. Um, certainly not a playoff contender. They're too far away right now. But uh, you know, I just I, I'm a big believer in in, in you know uh, mental blocks. And, and what it can do to a career. And it'll be interesting from Kyle Shanahan's perspective to see if he can recover from how bad he botched um, the Super Bowl down the stretch last year, uh, you know, uh, going for knockout punches, and he just had to call a smart game down the stretch, and he, and he couldn't do right. it. So um be interesting if he can bounce back and be a legit NFL head coach. Um, you know, obviously a football guy, grew up in a football family, obviously, um, and he's been kind of a quarterback whisperer wherever he goes. So, um, you know, I think I think it'll be important to to see how he bounces back this season. I mean, he he led Matt Ryan to his best season last year. Obviously, had success in Washington prior to that. So, um, you know, I don't I don't think they're again they're they're clearly not in a good spot now, but they're I think they're on a good trend. And I and I do like um, Lynch. You just got to hope uh, that the, the the ownership there can stay out of the way because um, it's been a mess and. Uh, you know, they made the they made the wrong decision years ago when they chose Trent Belke over uh, Jim Harbaugh. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully they've learned from that mistake and they're on the right track now because they're one of those franchises. You know, I put them up there. You know, you heard me a couple years ago when the Raiders were starting to get in the uptick, and I bought big on the Raiders. There's certain franchises I think it's just better for the league um, when those teams are relevant, and the 49ers are one of those teams. You know, the the three that come to mind instantly that have struggled uh, on and off the last 15 years are the 49ers the Raiders and, and the Cowboys. And I think if those three teams are relevant in, um, in, in yeah, out, out there in the West, it's better for the league. So um, hopefully this year they put together some building blocks and, and, and take a good step forward. Yeah. I think that they're going to have a hard time uh, making any progress this year because they just didn't put the tools in place. But I think that the management uh, in San Francisco knows that. And that's why and I believe this is true that both John Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan got six year contracts 
because they know this is this is a multi-year rebuild. This is not something they're going to be able to fix right away, which is why they didn't sell the farm in order to get a quarterback this year. They knew that the quarterback prospects this year's draft weren't that good, and the quarterbacks that were in free agency weren't that good, and the quarterbacks that will be in next year's draft are much, much better. So, you know, the fact of the matter is that they want to put down a watchable team on the field, but, you know, I don't think that the combination of Brian Hoyer or Matt Barkley throwing the Pierre Garçon and Marquise Goodwin uh, is going to really excite anybody. But I think it'll be good enough to win three or four games or maybe five games and, and be at least watchable and not horrific and, and put them in a good enough position to get one of their – get a quarterback to really develop. Because I don't think that C.J. Pizard, even though they took him in the third round, I don't think he's the answer. Uh, he may surprise me. I don't know. I mean, I watched him play, uh, and, and, I, and I did not uh, – in college, and I did not think he was really that good um, in Iowa. Uh, they did take one of his uh, top targets, George Kittle, the tight end. So maybe they maybe they get them both on the field and they end up creating some magic. Who knows? But I, I would be surprised if they're, if they're successful this year um, or in 2018 for that matter. All right, let's move on to our last team, and that's the Seattle Seahawks, perhaps the team that we're most concerned about out of the NFC West. They were 10-5-1. They were first in the NFC West last year. They lost in a divisional round. Uh, they had a number of significant uh, additions along the offensive line as well as the, the uh, defense. And, of course, big name Eddie Lacy was added to a mess of running backs back there. And in the draft, they went to improve their defensive line and their uh, defensive secondary, getting a, taking a defensive tackle, cornerback, and a safety, another defensive tackle. And they did take a couple, couple of flyers uh, on, on wide receivers as well. Now, there's a lot of questions as to what's going to happen here because they are still legit – but their defense has not been as good as they've been in the past. What are your thoughts about the Seahawks this year? Yeah, I mean, in talking about these two teams, uh, it's, it's, it's just disappointing. Um, you know, five years ago, what a, what a great division this looks like it would be for years. Um, you know, with, uh, with, with Harbaugh and Carroll going head-to-head, and just how physical and nasty these two defenses were. And, uh, you know, they both lost their edge along the way. Um, I'm really low on Seattle right now, and it's not it, – it, there's personnel in one spot, and then the rest of it's just – it's mentality um, or, you know, team issues. So, as far as my concerns personnel-wise, it's still that offensive line. Um, Russell Wilson has been just beaten the last two years, uh, you know, taking a tremendous amount of hits. Uh, I think in both seasons he's had lower leg issues almost out of the gate. Um, I think it was either, again, last year or two years ago. It's, it's hard to keep them all together as you get older. But um, one of the last two seasons, you know, he had, he had knee injuries on both sides, like sprained ACL and sprained MCL. And he's basically out there on zero legs. And um, this is a guy who needs his feet to create plays. And, um, you know, I think, I, I think that that offense line is still a huge question mark. And when you don't have a, a set run game, I'm not buying in on Eddie Lacy. Uh, that doesn't take any of the pressure off of him. So, that's my big concern personnel-wise. Um, obviously, getting a healthy Earl Thomas back would be uh, key. Having a healthy Richard Sherman back would be key. Um, but but these guys, Legion of Boom, you know, this is going on seven years now at those at those you know those positions where over the age of thirty, you know, you start to see a decline. So that secondary is not young anymore, and and that's concerning. And furthermore, and not not to heart back to the you know another team that the Patriots apparently destroyed. Um, we got to cover three. Uh, this week, but mentally-wise, there was that huge ESPN piece a couple months ago. Um, it was uh, two slots. It might have been still but 
regardless, neither here nor there, about how the the Seahawks still reference um, the the, uh, the the throwing, obviously there, the Malcolm Butler interception, and how they didn't run the sure, ball. Sir. It's a yeah. big mental hurdle that this baggage that they just can't seem to get rid of. It was the the precipice of the fight on the sideline last year. In, in, a, in a, you know, just a regular season game, they went to throw it from the one, and Sherman's over there yelling at Pete Carroll and, and, and Bevel, yeah, saying, you, yeah. would you just learn? Would you just run the, hit the damn ball from that situation? So that's still at the forefront of their minds. It seems to have creeped in into their DNA. And again, sometimes some of those really bad losses you never recover from. And if you look back since 2014, Seattle hasn't been the same team. So that's, that's concerning. And then the whole, there seems to be a schism between the team and Russell Wilson. Uh, things about him making people sign waivers before they come into press boxes, the games he's taken them to, teammates making comments about how, yeah, he takes them to, to, to Mariners games, but they know he gets the tickets for free. So it's like, they're like, you know, they're appreciative, but they're also squawking at each other, and there's a lot of egos on that team. So um, I still think they win the division, but I think 10-6 and six and maybe even 9-7 and seven is where they win that division at this year, and they just win it because it's a bad division this season. Right, and I, I think there's some, there some hope. They added Ethan Pochich uh, from the second round onto the offensive line, and who knows what Eddie Lacy is going to do, but he's apparently getting in shape. So I'm interested to see what happens there. I think their ground game is going to dictate what happens here because if they get pressure off of uh, – of a Wilson, then they may be successful. All right, we are up against it again. That's our show. Ryan, tell us, uh, give us your Twitter and Instagram so they can follow you. Twitter's at Ryan Whitfield, N E is in New England, and Instagram is football underscore garbage underscore time. All right, and you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. And of course, we'll be back next week with more information and breaking down more divisions. Getting excited because all the teams will be in off-season training camp by then. It'll be fun. Get ready. Enjoy your NFL week. We have you belated. Hell, thanks, man. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW group void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus